Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Christian Reed podcast. Today's guest is host of the Hard Mark podcast, all the way from Seattle. His name is Eric Donaldson. Welcome to the show, Eric. How are you doing? Hey, thank you, Christian. I'm, do- I'm doing very well on this, this fine Saturday. Pleased to see your bright and shining face. Uh, your hair looks much better than mine, but I'm not going <laughs> to let that discourage me. I'm, I'm going to bring my A-plus performance to your program here today. I like your hair, too. I think it's charming you got look at the look at the beard game the beard game's growing that's, strong right there that's true i'm surprised you know here we are at the end of the pandemic did you attempt a beard at any point or or i can grow a beard but i'll be honest once it gets to that full stage it's just too itchy no one talks oh, okay. enough about that you know it's like yeah okay great i look i look a million bucks but I don't feel it. I feel like, ah, it's itchy. Uh, I've heard some people have that issue. Uh, I think there's lotions and potions that may be able to assist with that. So I don't know. That that may be something to to look into. But I I just, I can't justify spending money on on beard. I I get it. Don't get me wrong. If you you want to grow like a magnificent beard, props to you. Go for Mm -hmm. it. But at the same time, I mean... (laughs) <laughs> it's just a lot of effort i mean it's like nowadays they've got products i know in america they've got what was it manscaped oh yeah yeah sort of deal with your under regions the nether regions mm-hmm. and don't get me wrong you need to clean that stuff okay you need to keep that stuff <laughs> that's generally a good idea there's one takeaway from the podcast here today ladies and gentlemen <laughs> clean clean your stuff Be clean yeah <laughs> not necessarily lotions but definitely clean soap water the works that's also a theme of my podcast, oddly <laughs> enough, many, many episodes. But that's in, the morning, in the morning, for, for at least five minutes, yeah. <laughs> wash vigorously. <laughs> right. Some rinsing. Um, soap is, is preferred. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I'm not even sure. This is going in a weird tangent already. But like, I'm at, I imagine that you could use the same because like if I shampoo up here that i'm also shampooing the beard generally speaking yeah, so there's many that. days that i don't even you know do anything special to the beard occasionally i'll do the fancy lotion that my wife gets me but that's that's on very rare occasions that's for like date nights yeah yeah, yeah. i suppose it, it, it's weird as a bloke isn't it because now it's it's totally cool to, to do all that stuff and there's no like stigma against it uh, mm-hmm. but there used to be um, yeah and i don't get me wrong i don't have anything against it like do what you want i just i i, I guess i'm just kind of lazy with certain things but at the same yeah. time like i do spend obviously the right money on on hair care <laughs> sure. um but only because i've seen what happens if you don't do you know what i mean mm-hmm. I'm, i've seen what happens if you buy like cheap stuff it yeah. it just kills your hair so i, I get the same is true of, of beards and another region For sure <laughs> <laughs> anyway um i'm excited because we're going to talk wrestling today oh perfect and i I, well that's the thing i don't get to normally talk about wrestling um a lot of the time when i talk in my discord community like i actually have in my discord community a wrestling channel but there's only like me and like one other person there and we just we mostly just post wrestling memes or just laugh at stuff right but everyone else in my community is like they're kind of interested in the sense that they're intrigued but that you know if I ever do like a live stream and it goes into wrestling, everyone's mm-hmm. kind of feels alienated because they're not in the know. Okay. Uh, and, so, and, I, and also, I'll just say this. Um, quite a toxic community, the wrestling community. Um, not always, but sure. when I have put some stuff out on a few occasions, got tons of hate. And yeah. 
it's weird and it, it, this isn't just wrestling uh there's other fandoms that are exactly the same as this but it seems like if you have an opinion especially a hot take people just destroy you oh, yeah. um and yeah so that's basically why i don't produce wrestling content i'm not saying i, I never will because i would love mm -hmm. to but that's why um yeah. but you actually are involved in producing content about wrestling you have a podcast called the hard mark podcast which has like a really cool premise so you basically are trying you you have a co-host and you're basically introducing this person to wrestling so i guess yeah they've never seen wrestling or yeah how, like talk to us about that podcast so <clears throat> this is somebody that I that I met at a previous previous work. And so and I just found them and you're probably going to be familiar with this reference. A lot of people aren't and that always bums me out. But Ricky Gervais, uh, Carl Pilkington, he is the closest thing that I've met in my in my life to my Carl Pilkington. And I just find him like a fascinating personality. And uh -huh. I've always for the ever since I've known this guy, I've wanted to do something that could bring that out and I and eventually I came upon the idea of okay what if if he was willing and that's the hardest part but if he was willing could I drag him through the mud and just kicking and screaming could I introduce pro wrestling to him one match at a time you introduce like what happens before the match like why are these two people fighting and then he watches the match and then he will both try to predict who's going to win and he will also rank each match so we have at this point a list of about 40 or so matches um that he has ranked to his very scientific criteria trust me it's it's all highly analytical uh it's actually not but <laughs> so we have this total list of every single match that he is he's my control subject he's my guinea pig in this wrestling experiment i'm definitely checking this out afterwards man this sounds <laughs> fascinating um so many questions okay yeah uh, I guess the biggest question above all else is which matches have you chosen to go with as beginners? So it, it, I didn't intend to do this initially, but what it's ended up doing is kind of following my path. So when I got into pro wrestling, I was like six or seven years old. I was really, really young. And my earliest pro wrestling memory is Hulk Hogan versus the ultimate warrior at WrestleMania six. And so basically I've kind of followed they, those same steps. Now, occasionally we'll like veer into other territory. Like we've watched a couple of more modern new Japan matches. We've watched like some other more modern, modern stuff, like one episode that hasn't uh, made air just yet, but we recently recorded was the main event of uh, this past year's WrestleMania between uh -huh. Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. So like occasionally we'll jump around, but like the main sort of narrative theme is progressing through like those late 80s early 90s times uh matches that meant a lot to me when i was like a little kid and inevitably and like i always end up regretting it inevitably he just completely dumps on every single match <laughs> that like means a lot to me personally and i end up heartbroken at the end of the episode and just pissed off but that that is the attempt right now so we're basically to like the mid 90s as far as kind of that main thread um, we just watched Bret Hart versus Yokozuna, uh, which is another episode that'll be mm. coming out sometime soon. Um, okay, so obvi I mean, obviously he understood wrestling, uh, you know, because everyone knows what it is, even if they're yeah. not into it. But um, mm. given that you kind of intro you introduced him to to it, like, what 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 exactly? 
are his initial thoughts? I mean, obviously he's open to checking it out because he wouldn't have agreed to be on the podcast in the first place. Um, so what are his kind of initial thoughts and, and opinions on, on matches? And, and what's, I suppose if you could sum up what he's seen so far, well, what's his kind of general takeaway from it? I would say <clears throat> so far, so he, I would put Ryan, my co-host, as being very, very emblematic of like what outsiders think of pro wrestling. Like when they think of pro wrestling, they think of WWE. It's like the Kleenex of pro wrestling. They don't really realize that there's <laughs> other companies out there. You know, they're, <laughs> that's, that's so true. Of, yeah. Uh, so like that was a big revelation for him. I think overall, mainly because we've jumped around between so many different eras and so many different companies, I think he finds the whole thing re ridiculous, but yet fascinating. I think before we started this whole thing, if he came upon wrestling, he would just skip right through it. Now, if he sees wrestling, he'll pause for like 15, 30 seconds and be like, okay, I need to talk to Eric about this. And then he'll move on. So I would not classify him as a wrestling fan. I've not converted him, which is fine with me. I don't want him to watch wrestling on his free time. I want to be the cultivator, the one introducing these matches to him mm. if at all possible. So uh, yeah, I think he just finds the whole thing way more in depth, like almost like a living comic book. I don't think he necessarily realized that before, that there were so many intricate storylines and everything leading up to each individual match. It's, it's a good it's a good point as well like i think the reason why your podcast is so interesting is because it tackles this really big issue that exists in society which you just talked um um touched on just there is that obviously the height of of wrestling popularity as far as the mainstream is concerned was the late 90s early 2000s what we would call the attitude era so for those who are aren't in the know what that basically meant is if you would take uh shows like jerry springer and whatever and, and basically what, what people used to refer to as crash tv um that was essentially what wrestling was in the late 90s early 2000s but it was at a time when not everyone 100 percent knew that it was fixed uh predetermined uh, people weren't 100 percent sure on that just yet even though the cat had been let out of the bag in the mid 90s by vince mcmahon it wasn't 100 percent clear just yet so mm. It, it, and, and it also kind of, especially with the WWF and WCW, it was part of the, the cultural shift, the counterculture movement going on at that time what with MTV and everything. And wrestling was a massive part of that. And it was as big as, say, the Super Bowl in America or something like that, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and after that, after that, came and everyone kind of realized oh this is predetermined oh this is and then obviously the whole thing about being it being fake came along sure. everyone just left a bunch of people left mm -hmm. um but it wasn't just that it was also the death of wcw caused a big shift and yeah. that obviously i'm trying to fit a lot into it sure. right, <laughs> right no no no. Yeah. but you're 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 spot on so far giving, giving everyone a cliff notes version here if you got yeah. if you want to look into it more i recommend actually reading the book the death of wcw um and, and just looking into the attitude error in general it's a fascinating kind of glimpse not only into wrestling but also just culture uh in the late 90s and early 2000s in america it's very fascinating mm -hmm. but anyway um i would say when wcw died in 2001 
Uh, there were already a lot of wrestling fans leaving anyway. And it was because of this crash TV thing. It was because wrestling had stopped being what it used to be back in the 80s and 90s with, with well, WCW, with NWA, with yeah. uh, New Japan, with all these different promotions around the world. And it started to just become... Uh, a kind of a joke like a, it was laughing at itself but too much and it's mm-hmm. actually being about wrestling like there were so many shows during those times particularly when they were headed by a, a guy called Vince Russo where there was just no wrestling in yeah. in the shows it was just just I don't know what you call it just a big old joke and right. <clears throat> I suppose that is where a lot of that popularity left and the lasting impression this is the bigger point i want to make on all of this mm-hmm. the lasting impression that a lot of people had who stopped watching wrestling and also the outsider's perspective looking in is that oh wrestling is just this like silly little thing that's fake that no one should check out because why bother like it's not like the ufc which is real it's right. it's just this silly program where nothing is is serious and it's it's just a laugh but it's it, there's not there's nothing to stay for it's just mm. silly but the, the weird thing about this is that especially with WWE, it's continued to actually grow as far as money is concerned. Whilst it might not be as popular anymore, they're making billions, most recently. And that most people listening to this won't realize wrestling as an international thing is huge where it's concerned in in the money department. Most Mm -hmm. recently in, I believe it was 2017 or 2018, WWE signed a, um, a deal with Fox, for 1 billion or 2 billion, I believe, uh, over the course of five years, basically mm-hmm. a television deal um, with exclusive rights to premiere their show SmackDown, which now has become their main show. It used to be their secondary show, and now it's their main show. And um, it's crazy because it doesn't really matter what that company does anymore. You know, they can mm-hmm. just put on a farcical display, and they have been recently. Right. Um, sure. That, that's another story we'll get into but um and it's 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 kind of interesting because they, they just make money up top on money on top of money obviously there's the deal with the saudis they have where they do shows there and they get tens of millions for doing that money that they make in india the list goes on and on and on and on like there's right. so much money in this but the popularity is not there anymore if you look at tv ratings you know the most you could ever get watching one program would be three million in america which doesn't even hit on the i think it was seven or eight million nine million they used to draw in the height of the attitude era in america so now that we've given everyone a cliff notes version (laughs) that's kind of the business of wrestling the success of wrestling now the outsider's perspective looking in, what I tend to hear from people, such as probably what your friend said that when you first spoke to him about it was, oh, well, isn't that thing fake? Like that, you know, everyone kind of found out that that was fake. So why do people yeah. keep watching it? What's the appeal? And I guess what mm-hmm. the amazing thing with, with your podcast is it's basically tackling that exact thing. It's saying, okay, let's put this to the test. Let's try to convince someone that there is a reason to watch wrestling. Would you agree with that? Yeah. 
Which yeah, I think that's one of the the main main sort of things that we're tackling. Absolutely, you know, I, having having spent over thirty years watching this thing so far, I, for me, it almost so, serves so many different purposes of like justifying why I watched and spent so much time growing up, you know, watching this thing. Kind of introducing through the lens of a new viewer, you know, why anyone else would care about this type of thing. You know, tr trying to also debunk some of the really common myths and misconceptions about like the trampoline ring and fake blood <laughs> and stuff like that and you know some of that stuff is just insane to people who don't know about it like if you tell somebody hey when they bleed that's not ketchup or anything they're actually slicing their head open with a razor blade a lot of people are like what and so then it almost yeah. becomes like a why would anyone do that to themselves type of thing but uh the 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 reality versus the fantasy of wrestling definitely I'd say play a part into every episode that we do. Yeah. And it's like us wrestling fans now, like hardcore fans, we know the ins and outs of the business because it's been exposed because it's so open now. But at the same time, mm -hmm. I think the biggest realization for many fans is that it isn't fake. Now what I, I need to kind of explain that a bit further for, for non-wrestling fans, like you, you just touched on, okay. Things like bleeding, um, what do they call it? Blading um that's obviously not fake yeah when you see a wrestler jump from the outside onto their opponent that's a real fall they're taking you know yeah, yeah they have they might have some padding if they're lucky um but that's a real fall they're taking and they often yeah. get injuries all the time um <laughs> when they hit each other with a steel chair that's legit <laughs> they can gimmick some of the things mm -hmm. that they use obviously if they hit someone with a, a trash can or a two by four you know it'll be with the cheapest materials possible and you know it's not it's not that's right that's faked but the, but this is the argument i always give as well is that how is wrestling any different from a film or a tv yeah. show absolutely you know i mean if you see the rock in an action movie He's not really kicking that guy in the face. You know, he's not really shooting that guy. Mm -hmm. So I don't understand why people don't apply the same rules to, to wrestling. And this whole fake thing. Like, I don't get quite as passionate about other people. Like, I just don't care. I'm like, well, look, if you don't get wrestling, if you don't watch it, then whatever. But, yeah. You know, don't try and destroy this thing that I like. But there's some people that get really passionate about this. They get aggressive with the fact that, like, it's not fake. It's, it's right. not fake. How dare you say that? And it's like, I get why they get so passionate. But it's like, there's no point trying to explain it to these people that don't watch it. Um, we, we can try. We can give a good mm -hmm. cause. And I, I could sit for hours and talk about this. But I think it's one of those things that you really just have to sit down and watch for yourself for a while and, and, and really give it a, a fair go. And then you'll get it. I think, yeah, that, you know what I mean? E even, even people that don't, I know so many people that have been shown wrestling that, you know, they, they're not fans, but they get it. They see the appeal mm -hmm. because I, I would always put it down to being kind of the way I explain it is wrestling is, is basically like live action theater with, yeah. um, with like fighting involved. And, but it, it has, and always will be about storylines and people go, oh, why would you watch the fighting if you know it's fake? It's like, you don't understand. It's about the stakes. It's like, if you go yeah. watch a boxing match and they're all like pally before, like, hey, yeah, have a great fight. Like, who wants yeah. to watch that fight? You want to watch the fight where the two guys are swearing and effing and, 
yeah. you know they want to kill each other that that's the fight you want to see and wrestling is exactly the same the only difference is that okay yeah it's predetermined you the results are there but like that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things like i don't know like about you but for me it's always about being able to suspend your disbelief if if they're doing a good story and they're committing to their roles um just like in a movie and yeah, they're doing like logical things within the story, both in the ring and in the storylines. You just lose yourself in it. You forget that you know, oh, this isn't real or whatever. You know. Yeah. And I, I feel found... like. Oh, go ahead. Oh no, no, please go ahead. Uh, the matches where I give more backstory to to Ryan, those are the ones that intrinsically he always ranks higher because he has he has knowledge of what the stakes of that contest are. The matches where I'm just like, oh, this guy and this guy, they don't like each other. They're going to fight, blah, 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 blah. He just, he does, he's not invested in. So I have found that the more time I spend kind of delving into the backstories of these characters, explaining why they don't like each other, that sort of thing. Generally speaking, that does uh, up those rankings. So I, I absolutely agree, agree with that. What are the, some of the casual viewer? What are some of the matches he's rated highest? So and actually, this kind of ties in with another thing that you saw. So I remember, and like, I wouldn't necessarily recommend episode one to people. Like, we were a little rough in terms of our, our studio <laughs> setup back then. But for anyone curious, the very first match that we ever watched was Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant WrestleMania 3. Because if you're, if you're trying to get into, like, what pro wrestling is, I think that that's a very basic, good introduction to what is this thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that match played into a lot of the stereotypes should we say of like what an outsider would think wrestling is for better or for worse and so a lot of the match he was kind of like chuckling through and be like oh of course like da 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 and so it really just kind of played into like oh i'm so knowledgeable about this thing that realistically he had no knowledge about whatsoever and so then the second match which actually was our number one rated match for the majority of our run so far was uh will osprey versus shingo takagi uh, at New Japan Battle of the Super Juniors, which is an incredible match. Part of me regrets jumping to that extreme, but I just remember as a wrestling fan, I got a little defensive about like, okay, this guy thinks he knows so much about wrestling. Yeah. He's like... <clears throat> chuckling and laughing about this thing. Let me show you something that you could never possibly hope to do in a million years. And like, he loved that match. And I think that's kind of what gave him an appreciation for like the true athleticism and what wrestling in the modern era has become. It's not just very large men kind of throwing fake punches and tossing each other around a ring. There's a lot more to it. In addition to kind of the storylines leading up to those things. It's, you know, New Japan especially is definitely more of a sporting uh, atmosphere than say a WWE would, uh, I, I would say, but that was probably the number one match for m most of the time right now. I believe it is the latter match between Razor Ramon and Shawn Michaels. There's a couple of things to uh, deconstruct there. And I, I just want to yeah. tackle them just head on. So first of all, obviously new Japan, for those who aren't familiar, new Japan is the biggest wrestling promotion in Japan. There's also all Japan and a few others, but that's mainly the biggest one. They also have a bit of an American base here, but mostly it's all over there and there's many American fighters and British fighters such as Will, Will Ospreay who fight over there. And as you said, it's very sporting based and I've always liked New Japan because I think that they're the one last wrestling promotion that treats it extremely professionally, very seriously. It basically, it looks exactly, presentation wise, it looks exactly the same as, as uh, boxing. 
yeah. and it always has they've never changed that and there's still always this kind of big stakes thing so whenever you get two fighters over there like say Lesnar Goldberg it will be it'll feel big and that they always kind of manage to to make that those big stakes matches but yeah the standard kind of product over there is very fast paced high flying and that's kind of what yeah what the modern era is now is high flying wrestling but an interesting thing that links that say Will Ospreay match and Hulk Hogan match is the story that they tell in the ring like one of the biggest pet peeves I have about modern wrestling is when there's just too much high flying and and spots and not enough storytelling this is why and this is controversial but i don't care i'm going to say it this is why i can't stand watching kenny omega matches or young bucks matches for this exact reason it's not that they don't have potential they they are good wrestlers it's that whenever you watch their matches nothing means anything if you watch Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant, yeah, it's not a visual spectacular, but the moves that meant something meant something. Everyone remembers Hulk Hogan lifting Andre the Giant and throwing him over his head. Everyone remembers that. Name me one move that you remember from a Young Bucks match in the past 10 years. There, there might be a few, but mostly you won't remember much because it's all every match is just a hundred moves, five, 1500 miles an hour. You know, there's no storytelling going, going on in the, in the, in the, uh, in the ring. And I've watched enough young bucks matches now to kind right. of same with Kenny Omega. I, I could probably pick out in the whole of AEW, which is, I think it's about two years now. There's about mm. two young bucks matches that I enjoyed, but every other day I just turn it off as soon as they come on screen um i totally agree with with uh, jim cornett's kind of opinions on this i just i can't stand it because the storytelling aspect is the most important part of wrestling it's, it's if you Absolutely. don't have the storytelling it's, it's you might as well just not bother because yeah then it does become just as <laughs> again as jim cornett says like a gymnastics routine essentially yeah. For sure. No, I, 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 to, I think that there is a happy medium there between like having really cool moves and like showing off athleticism and everything and kind of having a running story that you are trying to tell in the ring. I think that melding those two, there are some wrestlers who are like great at that sort of thing, uh, but definitely in, in the more modern era, it has gone more towards the cool move side than it has like the storytelling uh, side of things. But th there's so many people that get it right. You know, yeah. Darby Allen perfect example mm -hmm. every time you see a Darby Allen match right Olin Allen Allen yeah um he he'll do the same moves that everyone does like for instance Tope Suicida but when he does it it's devastating and oh, you yeah. know why no. the biggest thing above all else that we haven't touched on is because people sell the moves yes absolutely. in young in young bucks matches and Kenny Omega matches they'll do all these moves now, what, what do I mean by sell, you ask? Very simple. If I kick you in the face really hard, you're going to lay down on the floor and be like, ow, and you're going to be cradling that. You're not just going to get up after about 30 seconds and then start doing your moves, are you? That's going to hurt. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes Kenny Omega matches and, and Young Bucks matches unbelievable. Because if in a real fight, if you did that, it would mess your opponent up. And that is what I mean by the lack of storytelling in their matches. It's because they don't sell enough. 
And I, it's not ju- it's not just the young bucks as well. It's, it's the people that they fight as well. Anytime those people are in those matches with with them, it's like okay, they've all just kind of agreed we're not going to sell anything. We're not going to make this look in any way believable. Uh, mm-hmm. We're just going to do all these impressive moves, and then eventually someone wins. And it's to me that's not what a good wrestling match is. There's there's nothing interesting about that. It's mm-hmm. it's interesting when when a you genuinely don't know who's going to win, b the story that they tell in the match is logical. There's a logical progression. So what, what do I mean by that? Well, if you're going into it and you know that the bad guys are going to win, right? Logically, the match is going to follow in a progression where it makes you believe that maybe the good guy is going to win, mm-hmm. which would mean that he would get a lot of offense and what we call near falls and, and moments in the match where it looks like, oh, maybe he's nearly going to win, but then he just doesn't. Because otherwise, if you always know kind of who's going to win, what's the point of watching? Right. I mean, exactly. there's, there's so many ele- elements to this and it, that's why I laugh when people like shun it and, and they don't get it like the outsiders because it's like there's so many elements to what actually makes wrestling good. Yeah. And there's so much bad wrestling out there that bothers the fans as well. There's so many, it's not just AEW, WWE is guilty of it now and again. Oh, absolutely. Um, but I do find a lot of the time with WWE, there is a lot more selling and believability. Mm-hmm. And I think that comes down to the way that they train people and the way that they do things. Um, I think there's definitely an independent style and a WWE style. And there's definitely a lot of crossover more now than ever before, but there are differences, especially like what you mentioned with the selling. One thing that I found about Ryan and Ryan, my co-host, I would not put him up as a bastion of like the common man. He is a, he is a weird person sometimes, but (laughs) The one thing, and I totally agree with you about selling. I think that there needs to be more selling in in wrestling to kind of register what's happening and everything like that. That is one of the things that he hates most. If you are like, let's say a move happens and you're staying down for like ever after that, he's just like, what are they doing? Look, look, it's been like 30 seconds. They're knocked back up again. Like that's the one thing that he finds more frustrating than anything is when he thinks that they are selling too much. Like if the guys are staying down, like that they, let's say they both like clothesline each other and they're both down. He's just, he gets so worked up about, those guys selling okay. more than what he perceives to be they should be heard at that point in time now he'll tell you that like oh he could do all those things and blah 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 blah. i know his cardio is trash he would be huffing and puffing within like 30 seconds of that match <laughs> starting but like you couldn't tell him that in the moment so i there's definitely an element where if you see people in that environment you're like oh that that's not so hard but in reality, there's so much just running back and forth and like leaping and jumping and like the lifting and everything like that where uh, I think a lot of people gloss over that mm. where it may be those guys like legitimately catching their breath and it kind of, because you're watching a performance, you forget like, oh, these are human people that have to breathe, have to do do these other things uh, sometimes. Yeah. And the interesting thing to, to, to your, to your co-hosts credit, actually, there are certain small moves that sometimes wrestlers do oversell. I've noticed mm. that as well. Cause a lot of the time it's the devastating moves. It's the other way around. It's they do something devastating and then they're up after like 30 seconds. So you think, yeah. Oh, I guess that move just doesn't hurt then. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I guess it's no reason to care about that. Sure. Um, but with the smaller moves, yeah, sometimes they get like smacked in the face, but then they're yeah on the floor for like a minute and you're like, Oh, hold on. 
Yeah. Like, so <laughs> when he did that massive splash off, off the top of the ring earlier and you got up yeah. after 30 seconds, that didn't hurt. But a little slap in the face and you're down for a minute. And it's like, it, it, then it becomes so clear that they're just that they're just thinking about, oh, we need to get to this thing and then we need to get to this mm-hmm. thing. You know, they're not paying attention on selling and psychology. Yeah. And, just, oh, it just frustrates me so much. Like, <laughs> <laughs> It's like there's a... I can see it. I can see you're selling the frustration of this experience on your face right now. I can I can tell. It just, it just triggers think, me, man. <laughs> yeah, I get it. I think going back, so I, in my opinion, I think the greatest, in terms of total body of work, I think, in my opinion, the greatest wrestler of all time is Shawn Michaels. However, I think as far as like a, just a, a, a moment in time, as far as like a greatest couple year run who was like the best of all time in terms of like the absolute pinnacle when they were at their best it's hard to argue against Brett Hart the more that I've seen of Brett as I'm kind of watching these early 90s matches Brett was somebody who absolutely got the selling part everything that he did looked so realistic he managed to blend like the athleticism of what he was doing with just common sense and just I could watch Bret Hart matches over and over and over we watched Brett versus Roddy Piper we watched Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect and I'm just in awe and like those matches still hold up now 30 years later and it's it's incredible what he was able to do um you know in in the ring when he was at his absolute peak I couldn't agree more I mean I I suppose the thing about wrestling is you know and and obviously for those who don't know wrestling obviously originally came from the circus Uh, it was kind of like seen as a a small attraction amongst everything else and then obviously wrestling became its own thing but it still is like a circus in the sense that you have lots of different things so like fair enough if you don't like the high flying stuff you've got more technical based wrestling you've got other Mm -hmm. things and there's funny stuff and you know silly stuff and like there's a bit something for everyone and, and wrestling has always been very good at catering for that with that being said the argument of who's the best wrestler that ultimately does come down to what your preference is like those wrestlers that you mentioned there that i would put them in the category of technical wrestlers so uh, if you want a visually stunning performance that does make you feel as well. Uh, when I think about Shawn Michaels matches, I always think about the story behind the matches. There was always big mm. stories going into them that made you care. Like Shawn Michaels wasn't like the the most amazing wrestler ever. You know, the, the, a lot of his moves that there was, you could probably put all of his main moves down to about five to seven different moves. You know what I mean? But sure. yeah, because yeah. he put so much passion into everything that he did and everything meant something, Mm-hmm. They meant that much more, yeah. and that and and that's why you you always think about those those moments like when he he uh, you know super kicked Ric Flair and ended his career or you know when he um, had that 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 match against Razor and Ramon like you know that wrestling is always about moments and yeah. visually stunning things, mm-hmm. but it always does come back to that story. And as you you mentioned like Bret Hart, like yeah, he always approached those matches um in a logical way and i feel like with with brett it was always less about the stories and more about the actual in-ring storytelling i felt like with him i I don't ever remember any particular storylines he was in that i was really interested in maybe (laughs) not even when the pirate stole his jacket (laughs) 
I liked I liked heel Brett. I thought that was cool because they did mm-hmm. something different that, you know, he was like a good guy in Canada and a bad guy, everyone else. And I thought that was really cool. I thought, do you know what? They, they should really run with that. Like, actually, there's a wrestler right now um, in AEW called Anthony Agogo, who's a British boxer. Uh, or originally was and um, right. you know lots of people like him in the UK it was funny though because when he came into AEW he was acting like a big deal and I'll be honest not many people really remember who he is in the UK no no disrespect to him but it's sure. been he, he was like a boxer and, and known in like the mid 2000s so oh, okay I didn't realize it had been that long I yeah. knew that he had boxed in the okay that makes yeah. more sense like, okay, like, like the it. last thing he did publicly I think he was in <laughs> Strictly Come Dancing in uh, the uk in like 2007 okay um, yeah so yeah nothing against him he's a, he's a great guy uh but yeah so, and he was going about like yeah I'm, I'm a big deal in the uk and it's like what <laughs> but any, anyway right he came in and he did they've done this whole uk versus america gig and th- 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 there was a lot of problems with this storyline as well i just want to quickly gloss over this before sure. i get to the main point so <laughs> he he joins this faction who have basically broken off from this other bigger faction? They're, they're they're bad guys, you know. They've gone against their 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 friends, you know, whatever. Um, and he's hate so, it when that happens. But like everyone in his crew is American, and he's British, and he'll go out there and and diss the other guy and be like, "Screw America!" Blah, blah, blah. If it wasn't for us, right. you'd be speaking German, like blah, blah, blah. you know, all the standards like tropes. <laughs> but then all the guys right. behind him are American. And I'm thinking like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this doesn't make any sense. Like, why? Th- why would they support a guy who's trashing that? Like, they're still from America. Like, mm-hmm. I-, I guess they're just they don't care about America or something. And that's why there's right, like an illogical sure. part of the story. But bringing it back to the original point, yeah. Um, I really hope that they do the whole the same thing in the UK. I hope that people like him in the UK when AEW eventually comes to, to Britain because that would be cool. I th- I've always mm-hmm. found it a bit silly when when wrestlers come back to their own country and they're technically a bad guy but then they act like oh no screw you guys as well and it's like but why would they be like that i don't it yeah. doesn't make any sense right uh, yeah no having a little bit of national sort of pride and like knowing hey these are my people like yeah I, I do appreciate that too i think it would be harder to pull that off with like a uk-based storyline because i had forgotten how much they were going to canada back in 97 when they were mm. running that bret hart storyline it felt like every two three weeks they were like oh we're now in halifax now we're going to winnipeg now we're going here and like it felt like every other week like brett's a good guy now brett's a bad guy now but like realistically brett was always wrestling as if he was a bad guy like if you watch those matches they were definitely positioning like steve austin is a good guy stuff like that like he'd be a dick to the fans but he would nonetheless like wrestle you know like a good guy brett hart would take shortcuts and cheat in those matches but he'd just get cheered for it it's, in, it's interesting, isn't it? Like, I, I think the same about Darby Allen right now. Like, he, he's technically a, a good guy, but he wrestles like a heel. He, like, his yeah. everything, his demeanor, the way he, uh, for those who don't know, heel means bad guy. That wasn't clear, but yeah. yeah. Um, so face means means good guy, heel means bad guy. So yeah, and he 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 literally just throw himself around like a bad guy. The way he does his promos is like a bad guy. And I'm just sitting yeah. there like, I'm wondering when that heel turns coming. That's going to be fun. Like this just it's way I just wonder he's so small that it's hard like imagining him as a heel 
Like most heels are big bully guys tossing people around, but like he's just so little that I can't see him, but anything ah. but like a little baby face from fighting from underneath. But again, right? He wrestles in a smart way. Yeah. I don't know if you've noticed this. When he wrestles bigger guys, he's oh, he's such an intelligent wrestler. I'm so proud of this guy. Like, I remember when he fought this really big guy. Do you, actually, he fought one of the guys from, from that Anthony Gogo faction. You know, um, oh, that really m- big guy with the brown hair. I can't remember his name. Oh, um, Camarado. Camarado. So he fought Camarado on, on an episode of Dark. And I was like, oh, I wonder how they're going to do this. I hope they don't do, you know, like, uh, like I don't know. He puts them in a DDT and, and the big guy sells it. Because that's just going to be annoying. But no. They, yeah. they did it in a, in a way where basically Darby Allen used speed. And obviously, if you attack something fast enough, doesn't matter what it is, it's going to fall over. It's yeah. going to feel some damage from it. And that's exactly mm-hmm. how he wrestled that match. And that made that match good and enjoyable. They do the same things yeah. in WWE with Rey Mysterio matches. If he's going to face pretty much anyone, because everyone's bigger than him. Um, yeah. He wrestles it in the same way. He he jumps at them. He trips mm-hmm. them over or whatever. Like that. That's that's exactly how it would be in a real fight. If you were fighting a guy bigger than you, you you wouldn't try and outmaneuver him uh, with strength. Sure. You would use your speed and agility. And and that's what I like about that Darby Allen guy. Is he wrestles those matches like that. And I think if yeah. he was a, if he was a bad guy, that's how he would have to do. Or well, the thing is, when you're a bad guy, you can do other things. You can cheat. You can. Sure. Do you know what I mean? That's then you can go even further. You can hit the the other guy with knuckles while the referee's not looking. There's so many options. Right. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But I feel like Alan would be more sadistic. He would probably he'd be less about cheating and more about doing things that were too far or, or something like he maybe right. purposely get DQ'd so he could just beat the hell out of his opponent with something illegal or something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I would be curious to see it. I guess the one hesitation that I have is just because he has so much of his offense is about just that dynamic speed. Like you mentioned, just like this running full sprint into his opponent. Like he would have to change so much about what he does in the ring. And then you'd have sort of like this plotting, 150 pound guy very menacing i don't know i i think he could pull it off if he was really dedicated to it i just think he works so well as a baby face like why would you want to to change that up but i i think he could do it if he was so inclined i think you have to do it with every wrestler though at some point you have to turn them good guy bad guy just firstly to test the waters and also to to freshen them up i mean look hogan was a good guy for so many years and it got boring and everyone turned on him because it was just like, okay, we get it. Say your prayers, eat your vitamins. Okay, brother. Sure. Like, you know, he just got boring. So yeah. then when he became a bad guy, it's like, ah, this is interesting. You know, if yeah. it adds another shade. And then, and then you can tell like loads of different stories. It's like, oh, the guy that, that was the, the poster boy for America. Now, now he's, now he's, now he's saying all these naughty things and doing, yeah. like, what? He's telling our that? kids to stick it. Yeah. yeah. Like, what? <laughs> Yeah, it's good. That's yeah. how it should be. That's how it should be. Like, for instance, um, we got to talk about him, MJF, okay, Maxwell, Jacob Friedman. Um, mm-hmm. pretty much at this point, the only thing that's <laughs> keeping wrestling going, really, or <laughs> keeping wrestling alive, mm-hmm. as far as uh, kayfabe is concerned. So, for those who don't know, kayfabe means commitment to your character. So, obviously, 
the, the, and this is a big problem with wrestling right now is that um social media mm-hmm. so obviously everyone plays these characters online but then as soon as sorry on on tv but once they're online it's all like oh yeah bray wyatt gave to this charity today and it's like but he's a monster he's a monster like he's attacking people but now he's giving to this kid's charity no no i don't want to see that okay keep Mm -hmm. that secret Uh, if if you're gonna commit to this idea that these people are really these characters do the same on social media don't just because and the problem is they'll they'll do it a little bit like wwe does this all the time they'll they'll Mm -hmm. tweet um messages from the characters and then the next tweet will just completely change it so like roman reigns is a bad guy right now so he'd be like yeah i'm gonna totally kick that guy's ass and then the next comment is like oh uh roman reigns did uh make a wish this weekend and it's like (laughs) yeah sure exactly how am i supposed to hate this person yeah exactly and it also doesn't fit like if if he's supposed to be a bad guy doesn't care like surely he'd just be like no screw the kids i'm (laughs) like i'm all about myself like you know I'm all about money, like, and Matt, yeah. MJF, bringing it back to MJF, he actually commits to this kayfabe thing. He's like constantly only concerned with that, and everything he does is in in keeping with that. So, like, even at um, autograph signings, he'll just refuse people or or trash people out, trash talk people, yeah. charge or... them exorbitant amounts of money for an autograph, that sort of thing. Exactly. But he does it for real, though. <laughs> like, he doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't... <laughs> which i think right. is amazing like they i'm were a little like- t- i'm torn on the subject because like i i'm i part of me is like you where i really appreciate somebody throwing 100 percent into that character and like making you believe like oh that's how that person actually is but at the same time like is it fair of an audience to like expect because we don't expect that of like brad pitt we don't expect that of jim carrey to be like oh you're supposed to be the mask when you're tweeting right now you know what i mean like they're playing a part and is it fair of us to expect them to be 24-7 living that part? Because a lot of wrestlers in the 80s especially did. Now, granted, they didn't have social media, but, you know, Ric Flair was Ric Flair no matter where you met him. And, like, I, I, he, Ric Flair would probably tell you, I don't know that was necessarily the healthiest lifestyle for me to have, um, you know, through that time period so it's, it's an interest and i don't know that there's like a 100 percent right answer and 100 percent wrong answer but it is kind of a, just an interesting like what do, are we deserving of these performers if they're not on our television set you know what i mean that's a tough one isn't it because my answer would be oh if you're a bad guy act like a bad guy but then yeah oh, you can't always do, oh it's tricky like i remember seeing something with mjf where um and this was this was really cool so there was a kid in a wheelchair who had some sort of, I don't know, something, some sort of really terminal illness. Mm-hmm. Um, but he wanted MJF to cuss him out. And okay. yeah, it was really odd. He was like, because he, you know, are you really going to cuss out a guy in a wheelchair? Like, you know, he's, he's dying right. from something, right? But he, re- he was a massive fan of MJF and he wanted him to do it. And MJF, without blinking, just tore him one and just like went really dark with it and was awful to this guy and then just told him to f off and the kid was like really happy quite clearly right and you can tell because no, obviously the real guy mjf is, is a good guy um mm-hmm. there's been interviews to prove that but i think the, the whole point of his commitment to his character is that he is doing it for the fans because mm-hmm. he wants wrestling to be as good as possible and I think it is as good as possible when there is that commitment to those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I get I get your point. I think it's it is a tricky one because it's like exhausting. Yeah. But I suppose the difference between wrestling and acting is that if you're signing on to be a wrestler, you're kind of committing to that character long term. Mm-hmm. And I feel like if you really want to get the most out of it and be successful, you do kind of have to commit to that character. You do kind of have to play them 24-7. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, there's going to be times when that doesn't apply. But, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, I do think there needs to be a certain degree of, of commitment to, to kayfabe, even though it's a dead concept at this point. I think... Well, I think it, to your point what what it is and i've actually been thinking about this a lot over the past like couple weeks what it is more than anything else that i appreciate when when guys are really kind of going out of the way to do these things it's respect for the audience like if you're watching a really good movie and you would never expect someone to like wink at the camera and say like hey this isn't real to like take you out of it so so by making things real and treating everything seriously you were showing respect for that audience the people who are either watching you on tv or paid for a ticket to that show you're letting them get invested in what you're doing and you're not taking them out of that unnecessarily and i think that for me is is just that respect for the audience respect for the crowd uh, by taking what you're doing seriously even if you are a joke wrestler there's ways of doing that in a way that's not like overtly winking at the crowd. And so it's a matter of kind of finding that fine line. Um, so, so yeah, I totally, I totally agree, um, you know, on the importance of, of kind of that. And if you do choose to kind of go above and beyond on social media and like in your personal life, when you're just out on the street, then like more power to you. Uh, I think that that only, you know, enhances your character in the long run. If, if you can pull it off for that length of time. I've spoken a lot today, so I'm going to, really just hand it over to you a lot more with these these questions moving forward i did actually funnily enough i'm going to address some criticism i had on about the podcast recently so there was someone who basically said in my last podcast in the comments that they thought that i spoke too much this was a two and a half hour podcast with someone oh wow and they thought that i spoke too much and the exact quote was they didn't want to hear my boring stories so basically, obviously, these podcasts are conversational. They are an interview, but they're conversational. Yeah. And obviously, when you're passionate about things, like I want to share what I want to say with you. And I'm in two minds about this because it is the Christian Reeve podcast. I can do what I want on it. But at the same time, it is about my guests. And I took exception with this particular criticism because it was a, just a lie. It was just like, I wasn't, you know, one thing I take very seriously is, is making sure that my guest gets as much out of it as possible and, and gets an opportunity to speak and put themselves over and everything. Now I realize in this episode, I've spoken a lot, which is why we're going to really get to the grips with your thoughts on wrestling with all these next questions. But um, I'm not going to apologize for being passionate and, and wanting to share certain stories and talk to people and, and, and have fun and enjoy this. Cause do you know what it is? my podcast and it's about me interviewing that person and and getting a good conversation out of it and if you don't like me if you don't like listening Mm. to me or hearing me share stories don't listen to the podcast simple as that this is my message to that person to that hater it's and to all haters who don't like to listen to it you know i mean like if you if you really hate me that much just don't listen to it but don't give me crap for for talking on my own podcast because that's just not cool and 
you know, I thought about responding to this person via comments, but I thought I would do it in video form because I'm, I'm pretty sick and tired of it, like getting this response. It's fine to have constructive criticism. That's totally cool. But whenever I seem to get criticism mm. about talking too much on the podcast, it always comes in a really like douchey way. And uh, I, th- I think it's unnecessary. <laughs> and um, yeah, I'm not going to lie. It, it got to me. It kind of bothered me a little bit. Um, but, but, but mainly because I take this very seriously, what I do with this podcast. And mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever not given people my podcast an opportunity to speak and, and, you know, but sure. whatever, that's, that's me saying my, my five cents on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. That's so whoever posted that, listen to that and, and stick it brother. Yeah, do you know that a lot of people were saying as well, like, why did, the, why were they listening? They listened to the whole thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I guess, I guess, because right. I guess, I mean, argument... whatever. Yeah. Let's, let's, talk, let's talk about your thoughts on wrestling. Um, what are your favorite things about wrestling? Um, one thing actually, as we were talking about New Japan earlier, so I've been to two New Japan shows. One I actually went to the Tokyo Dome for, um, which was incredible. Uh, the other was the very first time that New Japan ever came to the Seattle region. Um, I went to one of their shows and it was a very small sort of venue. So you really got a chance to kind of just see all the different moving pieces and, and all that good stuff. I remember... I don't, well, I think I know why this, this stuck out in my mind so much. And I think it kind of ties back to what we were discussing earlier around sort of like respect for the audience, you know, trying to make sure it's a realistic portrayal of what this would actually be if everything was happening legitimately, that sort of thing. But I remember, so the ring announcer for New Japan, you know, the guy kind of doing the ring introductions and all that stuff during the matches, he would be like actively watching the match happen and every single time there was a pinfall every single time there was a submission attempt he would grab the little hammer and he would raise it above his head and he would wait until the referee gave him like the two side or like you know no 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 and then he he would wait for that and then he would put the hammer back down and i just remember loving the commitment on on all parties like if you are in front of that audience it is your job to like play up that this is a real sporting event and like that just stuck out to me so much because i remember going to like indie shows you know before the pandemic where the dude ringing the bell forgot to even ring the bell at the start of the match and and the entire audience is like ring the bell and for any outsiders like that just seems so stupid like why does it matter if they ring the bell but it's like you're portraying what is supposed to be happening in a real sport and so if you're not doing that then it like breaks the illusion of the whole thing and then what are we even doing here? Just watching people do moves to each other. Like there, there has to be some level of sport to this whole thing. So I think that's, I don't know if I even answered your question, but that's the thing that stuck out in my mind uh, as far as things that I've seen recently. Let's flip it up. What do you dislike about wrestling? Oh gosh. Um, I think a lot of this... <laughs> I still love wrestling. Uh, I probably don't love it as much as I used to. I think the thing that I wish there were just more storylines that like you could really believe in and really have some sort of emotional stake in. I think that's probably the thing 
that is lacking most right now. And like when I think of the storylines that really meant a lot to me and it, and it's as you get older, it is harder to immerse yourself. Like I totally understand that as a, as like a little kid, you know, you're going to have a lot easier time giving that emotional investment than you would as, you know, somebody in your thirties or anything like that. But uh, like, I go back to like macho man versus Jake, the snake, where like the snake was gnawing on macho man's arm, stuff like that. And like, you can't do animal attacks on people or anything like that. So I'm certainly not advising that AEW bring a badger to their show or anything like that. But I just, I just think that is one thing that's lacking. So many of the stories now are just like, I don't like you because you beat me up one time. Now I want to beat you up that sort of thing. I just, there has to be some sort of way of kind of whether it be, you know, love triangle storylines or, uh, you know, maybe, I, I don't know, like somebody trying to come up with storylines off the top of your head is difficult. That's why I'm not coming up with anything off the top of my head right now. But I do, I do think that that is something that's lacking. And, you know, WWE for as much as like they do try, but uh, I just, I can't, get invested in a lot of the like the only thing I can think of off the top of my head that I've enjoyed of the clips that I've seen has been like the Matt Riddle Randy Orton thing like that seems like a interesting sort of shift of what you normally would understand that Randy Orton character to be uh, and that's something that you can kind of see like I wonder where this is going to go is Randy Orton eventually going to be a dick and betray Matt Riddle or are they going to actually like have this friendship going on for a while so like that's one of those things like the I guess to make a very long-winded answer short, <laughs> the best storylines are ones where you don't know how it could go. You could realistically see it going down one path, or maybe it could go down this other path, and each of those could make for a compelling uh, way for that to, to move towards. I couldn't agree more with you. Um, I, I think a lot of wrestling nowadays is just a mess. I, I, like, I really do feel like Every now and again, you get a gem. You get something mm. that, that's good. But you have to sift through a sea of crap to get to it. Yeah. Like, so for even AEW, like, okay, this is what I do. So, like, I, I watch AEW. Uh, I don't watch everything because it's too much. But I watch, like, every Dynamite mm. and the pay-per-views. And Same. Yeah, like I for a while I was watching SmackDown and Raw. Then I stopped watching Raw because it was trash. But I kept watching SmackDown, and then I just stopped watching altogether because, well, SmackDown still has its moments. Uh, it seems like the stuff in the main event is always pretty good. But the the actual, if you just look at wrestling as just like an experience, like two hours of your life watching a show, I don't feel like yeah. WWE anymore puts on a good, just good show. You know, like they, they do put like I on, agree. yeah, like, you know what I mean? Like they, they put on good pay-per-views. I feel like it's mm -hmm. always worth checking into WrestleMania season, Royal Rumble up to WrestleMania. But anything outside yeah. of that is like, I don't know, like they, sometimes they get it right. I remember during the pandemic, the Money in the Bank pay-per-view was excellent. Um, you know, they did WrestleMania, work, whether then it's WrestleMania, you know what I mean? Um, Sure. Right, right, right. Yeah, like, okay, if you look at what's going on right now, I just saw that they added John Cena and, and Roman Reigns at, at SummerSlam. Now, that is a match that, A, has backstory to it. B, mm -hmm. is interesting. You can do a lot of stuff with it. Um, that makes me want to yeah. watch SummerSlam. I'm going to watch SummerSlam now. But if that match wasn't yeah. on there, there just doesn't really seem to be many reasons to care. 
and it's it's sad because it's like this is the same company that brought you the rock versus hogan stone cold steve austin kane the undertaker mm-hmm. you know what i mean um sure it's just i don't know man i agree I told, I mean, there was a point where uh, just like you, I watched every week of raw for a while. So I would say in my early twenties, I watched all raws and all smackdowns then right around. And this is dating me a little bit. Then in the JBL era, I was like, I don't need to watch SmackDown anymore. I'm not really interested <laughs> in this character. And I know a lot of surprisingly, a lot of like online fans really like JBL. Like what a great heel. I just could not stand the guy and I didn't like watching his matches. So I just, I stopped watching SmackDown at that point in time. Then right around the beginning of the three hour era of raw, I was just like, this is too, like for a while I would skip the first hour, just DVR it. And then just fast forward through the commercials and anything I didn't want to see. And then eventually just became like, this is too much. I can't keep up with this show on a weekly basis. And for a while there, I would just watch like the pay-per-views on the network. Now it's like, a lot of times I don't even bother with that. I'll just watch the clips that are posted online. If it's a pay-per-view that I want to see, Uh, I'll go out of my way to do so. But um, if it's not like WrestleMania, Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, maybe Survivor Series, it's kind of a crapshoot on whether or not I actually will take the time to view it. Because like you said, there's just not a whole lot of captivating things that make you want to see it. I I can totally recognize that like Roman Reigns, he's doing a great job in his current role. But like, do I really need to see him beat all of like the, the baby faces that they have on on SmackDown to build up to like something that actually matters, like a John Cena or a Brock Lesnar. Like, I don't know that I want to be there for steps one through seven to get to the culmination at step eight, you know, something like that. Yeah. I, it, it's, it's so frustrating to me because it should be a good thing to have all this wrestling. Oh, there's so much wrestling now, but I actually feel it's just, too much it's oversaturated you know raw being three hours that's ridiculous i mean the only reason it's still three hours is just because that's the dt tv deal they signed they keep getting it renewed right why why wouldn't you take the extra hour do you know what i mean like why wouldn't you but it's Mm -hmm. too it's too long two hours is is a perfectly acceptable amount of time for a wrestling show on a on a weekly basis absolutely um yeah and then, yeah, when it, when it comes to, like, if you take AEW, like, I know I, I, I've kind of, I, I think I'm always fair with everything, you know what I mean? Like, people, right now there's this, like, war, like, you have to, like, AEW or WWE, and if, if you are overly supportive of one, you get trashed by the other audience, which I just, I just think is stupid. Like, you just like what sure. you like. But I, I yeah. see a lot of problems with AEW as well. Like, for instance, I think their whole AEW, aw dark and and elevation i think it's lazy um those shows are way too long they're internet shows which i get is a nice kind of extra to have but essentially what Mm -hmm. they are is just extra stuff that they can't fit onto the tv show that they've just kind of compiled into one big thing. And you know, that's really evident with AEW Dark because it started mm-hmm. as this extra show and it used to range between 45 minutes to an hour, which is perfect. That's what the NWA Power right. Hour used to be, or I think still is. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's great. But sometimes you get like two and a half 
hour long darks and they'll be like oh this gigantic episode of dark and it's like no this is just a bunch of matches that you're probably not going to be interested in watching and maybe one or two that are are decent um and it's it's like what you and i know it's harsh but it's it's true like there's a lot of just throwaway matches and I got a little bit excited when they started incorporating storyline stuff. I was like, "Ooh, this is interesting. But then I realized they were never going to make this into a legitimate show. It's just an extras thing. Probably the best thing about AW yeah. Dark is just like the commentary because <laughs> it's just funny. I've, the Taz Excalibur duo, I do, I do like the little clips that I hear about. So I think my opinion on Dark, having never watched any of it, <laughs> Oh, okay. for the record, I'm just putting that out here. I have a totally uninformed opinion, but I maintain that it is my opinion. I like the idea of dark. I because because I've never watched it and I've never like I'm going to watch dark this week or anything like that. You know, maybe if I was commuting right now, I'd feel differently about it. But uh, growing up when I did in the 90s, when you had all these squash matches, I like squash matches i think that there is a need to portray certain people as stars and if there is a a, an issue that i do have with aew it's that too many of the matches are very competitive and you're not really being presented with like this guy's up here and this guy's down here it's it's almost like everybody wants to make each other look good which then doesn't make anybody look good um but that's neither here nor there but the, the the thing about dark i like it because they're not touring and, and who knows, even with the pandemic sort of ending, I don't know they're going to be doing that many house shows anyway. It gives their roster the opportunity to like work for the ones that aren't really working indies, that sort of thing. I think it gives them the chance to not, you know, suffer injuries because they're like working like once a month or something like that. And, you know, I appreciate it. And, and this is another issue that I have with AEW. I don't mind dark as long as those storylines are not required viewing for dynamite. Like if you're going to say, Oh, because you didn't watch dark. Now you don't know this thing that's now happening on TV. That's where I kind of have a problem. And I know with the SCU breakup, so much of that was all exclusively on dark. So as a exclusively dynamite viewer, I'm just like, wait, what? It's like, I'm supposed to know that they've been undefeated for the past seven months. I've barely seen them on TV. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I think this is something that they are beginning to deal with because I do remember that there was something on uh, Being the Elite, which is like a YouTube show that the Young Bucks do. Um, There was like a storyline that they were carrying on there, which then culminated as a small payoff on dynamite, but you'd have to have been watching being the elite to know what the, the hell they were doing. Okay. Um, and I got annoyed by that. Cause I was just like, look, if you actually put it all together, all the things that you're supposed to watch with AEW, it's, it's way too yeah. much. You've got two hours of dynamite, right? And then you've yeah. got, okay, let's say AEW dark tends to average about two hours. So two hours of AEW dark. And then the same with Elevation. That's two hours. That's six hours of just televised stuff. And then you've got the YouTube show. Right. And so Rampage. Got... Yeah, that, well, that's the new show that's coming. Yes, yeah, so that'll be two hours. Right. So what's that? Eight yeah. hours, nine, yeah, eight hours. And then you've got Being the Elite, which is about an hour. And then Sammy's Vlogs. So that's 10 hours of stuff to keep up with. 
it's, it's just mm-hmm. insane. It's too, it's too much. It's too much. And I agree with all your points about you, you need squash matches. You need, and that originally that's what AEW Dark was. It'd be like, okay, Brian Cage needs wins. So let's just throw him against the, all these people that don't matter. Right. Like, exactly. And that's, that's fine. I totally agree with that. But the, yeah, that for a long time, there was this problem where you'd have to watch AEW Dark to know what's going on on, on Dynamite. And that's stupid. Like, not everyone has time for it. And also the bigger issue, which is what I was talking about before, is that Dark and Elevation are not presented as shows. They are initially when they come on. But then once mm. you kind of get into like 30 minutes in, it just stops being a show. It just be It's just kind of like filler content, really, is probably the best way I could put it. Uh, with occasional high points and to me i just don't see the point of watching a show like that like a dynamite is a show worth watching smackdown sometimes is is a show worth watching but like dark and raw even are just like three hours or two hours of just stuff like and it's just like if you're gonna put on wrestling shows look aw dark doesn't have to be like I mean, we, we both know that TV, re, re, wrestling TV matches aren't always going to be spectacular because that's generally what you save for the pay-per-view. But typically, mm-hmm. the main event still has to be a big one. And you have to have a couple of matches on, on each TV show that are worth watching. You know what I mean? It's fine to have some filler. That's okay. And you need it to build yeah. storylines, like you said. Um but at the same time, you still need those like marquee matches. And I think that AEW is beginning to start doing that. Um, mm-hmm. I, can't, I can't obviously speak for SmackDown and Raw because I haven't been keeping up with them. But every time I think about watching them, uh, I just hear of reasons not to. I am going to start watching again when the, um, the fans return, though, because I felt like this whole Thunderdome thing just killed it for me a bit um yeah no fans hurts do you think what what is your prediction in terms of like once everybody goes in front of fans again which you know aew just did this past week wwe starting up really soon do you have any sort of expectations of like show quality or kind of what the trajectory of both of those companies is going to be once fans reappear i think wwe will get better because The thing is, WWE has always been pretty reactive to fans. Like, not always. They don't really give them always what they want. But if there's, like, too much booing and too much Mm -hmm. trashing, they will react. They will. Because, obviously, if there's too much booing, it just ruins the show. And they try to do their little things, like they try and pipe in cheers and stuff, but eventually they have to act. Yeah, a little sweetening. Yeah, eventually they have to act on it. So I think WWE will get better. AEW... Uh, jury's still out on that one because every time every week i watch right <laughs> there's either a really good show or a really bad show like the last one i just watched it was okay and then it got to the main event and it was young bucks versus i don't know whoever i think it was pentarel sarah miedo and um eddie kingston uh, eddie kingston and that should be a good match uh, Eddie Kingston is a fantastic wrestler, um, both on the mic. He makes you care. I remember they did something mm-hmm. really good, actually, in the last year. There was a thing where he'd lost against uh, John Moxley when John Moxley was the, the AEW champion. And immediately they were 
he was basically challenging for the title again. And it's like, oh, hang on, you lost. But because Eddie's king, um, promo was so good, it made you care about seeing this match. You're like, oh, hang on. Yeah. There's, there's a reason to care about this. This kind of goes back to what we were talking about before. And like suddenly everyone was really interested right. in this match, even though he's already lost. Maybe, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe he's going to win. I don't know. I don't know. And he didn't win, but it was, it just made you care right. for an extra week. And like, right. I mean, that's, I think that's the magic of wrestling sometimes. When, when they get it right, they get it really right. Even with WWE, every now and again, mm-hmm. they'll pull something out and they'll go, oh, oh, that's good. That's really good. Like, oh, yeah, absolutely. No, when WWE's firing on all cylinders, what they do really can't be just because of the amount of production value they have, just the, the pedigree of they have so many decades and decades of history leading everything. I, I absolutely agree. When they do something right, which can be a slog to get to that point but when they do do it right it's it's well worth the the payoff in many cases it's like when i don't know if you saw uh, presume you saw wrestlemania last year or this year sorry Mm -hmm. yeah so i was really impressed with the match between lashley and drew mcintyre um because okay some some backstory on this so drew mcintyre was the wwe champion throughout the pandemic and that was really cool. It's kind of a shame he never got to kind of celebrate in front of the fans, but you know, it is what it is. And technically, I think he's a two-time champion now as well. But he's been established as a main event guy, so he doesn't need the title anymore. Like the title has always been like a prop to help guys mm-hmm. get like big, and you don't always need it. But Ashley, uh, Bobby Lashley, becoming WWE champion is obviously big for numerous reasons. One, he's been away from the company for so long and we've been clamoring for it. They, they, they messed him around for like a good three, four months, just putting him in silly storylines and pairing him with silly acts. It just didn't make any sense. And then they finally started giving us the Bobby Lashley that we've been waiting for the big guy, you know, the, the, the main event guy. And we were thinking, okay, when's this Brock match happening? When's this Brock match happening? We want Brock Lesnar versus Lashley. And we're still waiting for that. I think we might get that at WrestleMania next year. I think that's maybe what they're driving at. But anyway, Mm. um, they decided that Bobby Lashley should beat Drew McIntyre for the championship. I was all for that. I thought that was fantastic. Um, Again, bigger. Another reason is, hey, it's a black WWE champion. That's a good thing. We haven't seen too many of those. It's it represents a good precedent, a good step in the right direction. Uh, They did the same with Bianca Belair. Great stuff, right? Now, here's the thing. When it got to WrestleMania, I believe at that point, obviously Drew Drew McIntyre was challenging Bobby Lashley for the championship, and there was a lot of people saying. This is a difficult match because if you keep it on Lashley, it's like it's, it's, it kind of feels like you're doing it to Panda, right? But if you take it off him, I don't know. Like but Lashley's barely been the champion for a long time. He's only been a champion for a couple of months. Right. Like, I don't see how anyone comes out of this winning in, in any shape or form. And um, right. it made me think like, yeah, they've kind of booked themselves into a corner here. What do they do? But I got to say, after watching that match, I was I was really happy. I was really impressed with what they did. They made it seem like like Lash, um, Drew McIntyre was going to win for for a long time. They made it an, a, an entertaining match, um, lots of like near falls and stuff, believable. But Lashley still came out dominant, and it, it wasn't like he kind of gave away too much offense, you know, or he wasn't, you know what I mean? It, it mm-hmm. still felt like, okay, he, he dominated that match still. He still won conclusively. 
And I thought that they did it really well. And I feel like that's a good example of how when WWE gets it right, they get it right. Even when they back themselves into a corner with something, that they do it well. I don't know why they still are doing this (laughs) this feud to this day, though. That is beyond me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I I try not to dissect WWE storylines too much just because things change so much on a whim seemingly all the time. For me, it is a little curious because like I have nothing against Bobby Lashley, but it is weird to me. So you have three weekly shows that range from two hours to three hours a week. The champion of each of those shows is like this dominant bad guy champion. Mm-hmm. Are you really expecting people to spend seven hours of their lives like with these shows that are being presented to you like oh this bad guy he's he's beating up all your favorites and all your heroes like you can't have one baby face in the middle of there that's like people can root for like this it's it's a real slog to try and be like okay i i get it we got roman we got bobby we got uh carrion cross like can can we get something can we get a little bit of a bone you know thrown to the to the guys that we're supposed to be cheering for i don't know i guess you got to build people up though because Drew McIntyre was a babyface champion for a year. Obviously, it wasn't in front of fans. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I, I suppose with these things, that one yeah. thing that, that both AEW and WWE have been getting right is keeping the championship on the, the main champion for a long time. Because they used to flip-flop all the time, didn't they? And it yeah. was just, it made the championship oh, yeah. mean nothing. Now they, they'll have a guy have the championship for a year or two years or three years. Um, mm-hmm. And I think they've, they've done that well. And... I would argue there's not that many contenders. I mean, they are trying to build up people, but then they're they're also doing a disservice to a lot of people. Like I thought Damian Priest was going to start being pushed after WrestleMania. I was like, he came across really well. It's entertaining. He looks great. He moves great. Like he's going to be a future WWE champion for sure. Um, Wow. At least I think that way. I mean, you <laughs> sure, never it's, know. It's hard to pr- make that prediction with WWE. Well, I understand. Well, yeah, because like, look at Andrade, Elidolo. Like that, that, that blows my mind. Yeah. I can't believe they let that guy go. Like that guy looks like a million bucks, and he works like a million bucks, and they just let him go. And it's like, is it the promo thing? Is it because he can't do a, a good promo? And I know because his English isn't his first language, and it's like, but there's been so many champions that that wasn't the case. I mean, does it really matter that yeah. much? I mean, if you if you put a mouthpiece with somebody, no. Um, yeah, I don't know. His work in the ring was stellar. He looks great. I mean, he just like you said, he didn't have the promo in English. I'm sure his promos in Spanish are just fine. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought the same thing about Alistair Black. When I mm. first saw him in NXT, I was like, this dude's going to be the next Undertaker. This guy is going to be in the main event of WrestleMania within the next five years. Like he has everything that you need. He has a unique wrestling style that like could potentially appeal to non-fans, to MMA fans. Like his strikes look vicious. I just, I thought he was the total package. Really good promo. Uh, and when they let him go, I'm just like, what, what is happening? Like what, you don't know what to do with your own talent anymore. This company has become so bloated that you're just letting go of guys that you could have made into something huge. Um, so yeah, I felt the same way about him, Miro, yeah. uh, a few other guys. Of course, there is this trait, tra- um, this thought process, which I kind of tend to agree with. It's quite controversial, but I feel like it's true. AEW doesn't seem like it's actually really competition to WWE. 
it when it first came out it seemed like a genuine threat to wwe but now it just seems like mm-hmm. wwe doesn't care about AEW. then they're not worried about sure. them and to be honest with a lot of the stuff that the AEW has, has done i feel like they shot themselves in the foot and like they don't really come across as as being like a serious threat to wwe and for that reason, I feel like that's why they're letting all those people go. Like, I think what they, they don't, I don't think they actually expect AEW to continue to be in business for the next couple of years. I reckon they're letting these people out on purpose, letting them get TV time on AEW, you know, yeah, go get your money, go get, you know, get, get go get it. It's, it's exactly like the nineties in the sense that I think Vince would let people go, let them, you know, go make some money elsewhere increase their value and then when he re-signs them they're worth more to him and he didn't have to pay them to get better they got better themselves and then came back it's the same thing except now vince is fully in the driving seat you know he was worried about wcw he's not worried about AEW. and i think that like why wouldn't you let them go you know they'll get good over there they'll have their fun and then they'll come back to wwe Mm -hmm. in a couple of years i'm I'm calling it i reckon that's what's going to happen do you do you uh, believe that? Do you think that AEW is going to be out of business within three years or however many years? It really depends. If they carry on the way that they've been operating, then I would say yes. If they start doing... Because the thing is, okay, in the past two years, they've had some real high points. If they would replicate those mm-hmm. high points, I think they have a chance. Um, mm-hmm. What are some good examples? Uh, just think of something that they've done well. Um, I think John Moxley's title. I thought the, one... um, yeah, that was good. I don't know mm-hmm. what you thought of the Malachi Black debut. Uh, there was a couple issues I had. I The couple problems I had with it that were minor. Overall, I thought it was very well done, though. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing that he's he's debuted. I think that's incredible. Uh, he feels like a big deal. He feels like yeah something big. Uh, there's a couple of things that confuse me though. Like, I thought it was an interesting choice to have him attack Cody. I mean, obviously he's going to go into a feud with Cody, but really, Cody is his first mm-hmm. feud. Uh, that's interesting. I, I don't know where they're going to go with that. I mean, obviously, we'll give it time. We'll see what happens. But it, it was it, it yeah. felt a bit off as well. Like, for instance, it was great. That there were a couple of things, and this is the problem with AEW, right? When they're doing these attacks and stuff, there's so many holes with it. Like, oh, oh it's so painful to watch. Like, so when he attacks, when he goes to attack, um, um, mm-hmm. I can't even remember his name now. Cody Arn. Arn, Arn Anderson. When he goes to attack Arn Anderson, you see, <laughs> you see um, Tony Schiavone like sort of shuffling out the way, right? And Arn sort of doing a delayed mm. turn, like, huh, huh, and then gets kicked oh, right. in the face. And it's like stuff like that happens all the time with AEW, and it's so messy. You don't see that kind mm. of messiness really in, in WWE, but you see it all the time in AEW, and it it really sucks me out of things, right? Um, and then obviously mm-hmm. same thing happened with Cody. The kicks look great, but it's like there's too much of a delay. It's like, oh, okay. And then as he's walking out of the ring, I don't know if you saw this, but he kept like kind of like looking back and like and it kind of 
it was really awkward. It was like he's like a classic 50s villain, like, <laughs> and he's supposed to be like a mysterious right. Undertaker type vibe, like he doesn't care, soulless. But it came across kind of almost sure. weirdly comical to me. <laughs> I don't know. I just. Okay. I I didn't pick up on the last bit. I'll have okay. to rewatch that that uh, that debut. The part that I liked about that is so like they kind of teased with the whole and apparently there was legitimately lightning storms or some sort of you know storm conditions in Miami where they did the blackout during the Cody match at the start and then you know nothing. So it was like a little Easter egg, but nobody knew kind of this was teasing something that happened later. And then when they do the blackout later, you're like, okay, there's more more technical issues. I, I thought that was a really nice way of kind of like not just going straight for the, the low hanging fruit of like, there's a blackout. Oh, it's Sabu or, you know, whatever's going to end up happening. Uh, I liked that sort of element of it. Uh, so it wasn't super obvious that somebody was debuting. I liked his specific attention to detail on account of yep. he had left WWE, he had the eye injury, and then he kind of had like the all messed up eye with like the weird bruising or whatever it was. I thought... I think he's going to be a huge star. And I think to kind of circle back around, I'm making this prediction right now. Here's my hot take of the episode. I think within three years, AEW Dynamite's ratings are going to be higher than Monday Night Raw. Oh, yeah. If Raw continues the way it has been, that's easy. But what you're forgetting is we have live fans back. Now there's no excuse. WWE is the reason... Go on. Go ahead. No, you go. You go first. Well, I, I think that the reason that AEW Dynamite's ratings are going to be bigger than Raw's is because of the live fans. Because if you compare those shows in front of live audiences, like you mentioned before, WWE fans are not unwilling to boo stuff that is stupid or corny or bad. And like the WWE has been fighting with their audience for the better part of, gosh, over 10 years now probably i mean you for sure the daniel bryan thing at wrestlemania 30 but you know probably before that and there's this very much sort of push pull with that audience whereas aew like as, as many faults as they have and like i, I consider myself an aew fan mm, and like i can see that they have issues their fans are so they're like ecw fans you can do no wrong in their eyes when they're there live it's such a hot atmosphere you could say to one of your friends like, let's go to this wrestling show. And they would come out of that AEW experience. Like, that was incredible. Even if the show wasn't great, that just that live experience would make somebody into a fan. I don't know that you could say the same thing about WWE. I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, and, and and this is why I'm... Because I'm very critical of wrestling in general because I love it so much. I want it to be better. That's why I'm so yeah. critical. Uh, and I want AEW to do well. I don't want it to go out of business. I want it to continue because it's sure. good. For, it's good for wrestling. It's good for business. Uh, <laughs> there's that saying. Um, but <laughs> at, at the same time, it's too sloppy with what they're doing. Yeah. Um, and uh, ironically, WWE is the same right now. Uh, they are a bit different. Instead of being sloppy, they're lazy. Raw is lazy. Yeah. And I feel like because they've got too too much money to play with, they kind of don't care what they put on. They just put any old thing on because, oh, whatever, people will still watch it. And I feel like if they do, okay, to your point, if they continue with that lazy attitude, yeah, people will stop watching. And no company, uh, especially wrestling company, is is kind of 
can escape that. At the end of the day, WWE has a very fixed hold. They are considered the premier, the elite. They are considered... Mm. It's all to do with their history. But look, you know, WCW had a big history back in the day, but then they managed to ruin it. Uh, I Mm. think WWE needs to tread carefully. And I think with with what you were saying about the, the love-hate relationship with the fans, WWE did always eventually give people what they wanted. Like, as you mentioned, the Daniel Bryan story. That took a long time, but they got there. And they got it right at the right point as well. It was at WrestleMania 30. So they gave, that, that'll always be a memory. They didn't, they didn't sour it. They didn't ruin it for everyone. Like, it happened. They can never take that back kind of thing, right? Right. And I mean, I disagree with what you said, but... Okay. Continue. No, tell me what you disagree with. I, I like this. This is good. I I think that there are points that you could you could say WWE did not do what the fans were looking for, and like I don't consider myself a Zack Ryder fan, but oh, they did they did Zack Ryder dirty, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very Zack Ryder neutral, but even as, a, as an objective sort of outside perspective, you can point to Zack Ryder and be like. Oh wow, yeah, they really, they really messed him up pretty bad. Uh, to a lesser extent, Rusev, their, Rusev was getting the mm. biggest reaction, and like, there's probably a lot more examples of that that I'm thinking of where guys got over not because the machine wanted them to, but just because that's what organically happened. And as much as your Bruce Pritchards and whoever else wants to say, like, well, why would we, you know, not want to make money off of these people? Like, there's people that they would rather make no money off of than then push and, and do something with like there, there's been plenty of examples of that i completely agree with you on that yeah um i'm not i'm not discounting those at all that, that they <laughs> main reasons that i get pissed off and, and stop watching wwe because it's like why won't right. they push this guy for fuck's sake like rusev day mm-hmm. was huge that was huge yeah. they had something with that and they just decided to squash it and i will never understand why zach Ryder. um I mean, they, they, I think they killed his career with that, to be honest. Not, not just right. his momentum, but he, has he ever really been able to recover from that? You know what I mean? Even to this day. I mean, he's in Impact Wrestling. He's doing his thing. But, right. I mean, they literally had – was it, who was it? Was it Kane or John Cena that just threw him off a ramp when he was on a wheelchair? Kane threw him off the ramp, and then John Cena, like – took his girlfriend at the time he was like in a wheelchair so that is yeah the most egregious burial of any one talent i can ever remember seeing so bad and it's like when you look back at cm punk as well he's probably the biggest example like i'll never understand what 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 the plan was that why they were doing that like Mm -hmm. they did they did have a massive hand in in him becoming the phenomenon that he did you know it's not like because to your point about them being annoyed about things that happen organically they very much did help to manufacture the cm punk he did it himself too don't get me wrong but sure they were heavily involved with that and then they just decided to just destroy the momentum you know he was on a massive high Mm -hmm. and they just had triple h come out of retirement and just squash him and then go back into retirement and then yeah. what? Yeah, like, imagine it's Kevin Nash, which like, oh, let's yeah. put our big baby face, or maybe he's a baby face, maybe he's not against Kevin Nash. Yeah, there's just a lot of decisions that are questionable. And and the, the thing that confuses me the most about it is that 
Vince McMahon has always been purported to be like a businessman, right? So he's always about what I, I don't care. I'll work with anyone, even people that hate me. It's about making money. And it's like, okay, if that's true, then why are there so many of these like illogical business decisions? Like why, why do you decide to do things right. in this particular way? Like <laughs> for me, it kind of comes across as like almost like stubbornness. It's like, no, 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 we're going to see this through. We're going to go with this thing. And it's like, yeah, but it's not working. And, and then I don't know, on the flip side, you could argue that maybe they are being reactive towards it now, but in too much of the wrong way. Like, for instance, you see uh, Ricochet or Cedric Alexander gets pushed for like two weeks and then suddenly you just don't see them on TV anymore. And it's, like, right. it's, it's almost like they start with one guy, they get excited with this person and then mm-hmm. they just stop bothering with them. And it's like, yeah, you need longer than that to really figure out if someone's got it or, or got something. You know what I mean? You need probably at least three to six months. I mean, I think like, for instance, you take Jinder Mahal's WWE title run. I thought that was a good experiment. I mean, I think that uh-huh. I wouldn't have done that with the WWE championship. I think they should have done that yeah. with like Intercontinental or something. It was, but right. Or so quickly. I think he beat like Finn Balor one time. Then it's like, okay, now he's a champion. Like, yeah, it just felt very sudden from this guy who had been presented as not at that level for so long. Yeah, well, because the problem with that was that he was a jobber three months four months prior to becoming wwe champion um right but in fairness i think he won a tournament didn't he 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 came back from injury or or something no no i think he left the company that was it no no i'm telling oh yeah i think so he okay i don't remember he did leave at one point he did leave i think he left in 2012 2013 came back in 2014 2015 left for a while to work on himself came back ripped probably on steroids right um but yeah ripped and looking looking the part and it's like okay mm-hmm. let's see where this goes and then they did the push and i get that they right. did it because of the business in india but it's like okay sure yeah yeah i get it i i think that so many and not to t- make this into like AEW versus wwe because there's so much of that online these days so stupid it is, it is stupid. And I can enjoy both shows without necessarily comparing one to the other. But I think you're right that the AEW problems are, there's a lot of sloppiness. There, there's things that like, but I think at the same time that their main issues are things that with experience, they can improve at. They can like identify these things and be like, okay, let's get better at those things. Assuming that they're willing to sort of identify those as issues. WWE, their main problems are just so strange and are so emblematic of this big lumbering company. Like one of the, my biggest pet peeves with WWE is like when you have somebody in like a mount position, that's like raining down punches and they do like the shaky cam and like, yeah, why are you inventing your own problems for your program? Like there, that doesn't need to happen. And it's so horrible as a viewer to watch that like it would be easy to fix but it's like you're doing that to yourselves there's no one telling you to do that let's just inventing your own problems at this point so i don't know but that's those are some of the reasons why i think with AEW problems those are fixable wwe problems it's like you have so many people that are in positions of power and have been for so long it's just ingrained into the philosophy and they would have to do some significant house cleaning to improve their creative decisions, you know, how they're treating talent, uh, that sort of thing where I, I just, I see AEW's trajectory now. I don't think them 
I don't think there's a chance of them becoming more profitable than WWE within three years, but I do think that their ratings, if not exceeding raw are going to, it's going to be like neck and neck every week. I do. I do think it's very possible. Yeah. I mean, I think the fact that they've gotten a second show is huge. Oh yeah. Yeah. I probably won't watch it, but uh, <laughs> I, I'm glad that they are getting money for it, but yeah, Friday night show. I mean, I don't watch SmackDown for much of that same reason. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll probably check it out once or twice, maybe catch a review of it. But yeah, Rampage mm. on a Friday night just seems like a show that I will probably not end up watching very often. I think what will happen is there'll be a, a, a significant kind of shift towards certain shows that kind of announce themselves to be more worth watching than others. Like it shifts all mm. the time. Like it's weird because obviously Raw was the A show for so long and now it's right. like this crappy little B show. Um, yeah which is weird it's got the history it's it still should be a marquee show but it's like smackdown is just presented as the show now as far as wwe is concerned and yeah with AEW, i kind of feel like it might be the same like dynamite will be the show and rampage will be like probably like how wcw thunder was like just kind of like extras i mean yeah i i hope i mean I don't know what I hope for because I'm probably not going to end up watching it. So like part of me is like, <laughs> oh, I hope it is like Thunder. So then I don't have to bother keeping up with it. But, you know, for there, I do want them to be successful. And I do hope, you mm. know, that Rampage is a success for whatever that actually means in current day, uh, you know, TV broadcasting. So I'm going to talk about some other companies. What, what do you think about uh, Impact Wrestling? I mean, I don't follow that. I used to follow them back in like the AJ Styles, Samoa Joe days, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll catch clips here and there. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't, I mean, I'm shocked that they're still around. I guess that would be my my summary statement about Impact Wrestling. But I have seen, I've seen them live. They've come up to Seattle region, yeah, I don't know, a decade ago, back in the AJ <laughs> Styles days. But uh, yeah, good for them, I guess. I, I'm shocked that they still exist in some form or fashion. I do think that them co-promoting to a certain degree with like New Japan and AEW, I think that's really good for pro wrestling. I'll say that. I'm kind of surprised they haven't been bought out yet. I thought AEW would just buy them out. I thought that's where the, the recent partnership they had, I thought that's mm-hmm. where that was going. I actually had a weird suspicion that maybe their second show would end up being <laughs> impact. Oh yeah. That could, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could see them like if, if AEW wanted to kind of start up their own network sort of service, I think having that tape library for TNA impact would be a huge deal for them, but who knows if that's even an option on the table, but that would be a good idea for them if they could do it. It's weird, isn't it? Like how some of these companies still exist that are pretty much just going off their their previous days, really. Mm-hmm. I feel like Impact is just hanging on by a thread because of its history. And same yeah. is true with Ring of Honor. Like, what, what do you think about Ring of Honor these days? I really haven't kept up with Ring of Honor at all. I know Danhausen is there. Um, oh, yeah, of course, yeah. I know they have Roosh and a couple of other former uh, Los Angobanables guys. I don't, I haven't watched, I know a lot of, there was a fair amount of buzz back when the Marty Skrull thing, that contract signing happened. Uh, Obviously that was like immediately before the pandemic and then the whole wrestling uh, Me Too or whatever, Mm. you know, that's, that's dubbed, that happened and he kind of made a, 
quick exit after that. But yeah, I don't really, I haven't followed Ring of Honor since like the mid early 2000s, like the CM Punk, Samoa Joe, Brian Danielson. Like I remember getting a couple of their early pay-per-views. Again, I'm glad that they're around. I'm glad that they have, selfishly, I will say, I hope that that New Japan partnership has ended because I would love to be able to see New Japan guys on AEW Dynamite. Mm. Like the idea of, you know, Suzuki or Okada or one of those guys, you know, being able to work matches with AEW or an AEW pay-per-view, which is a promotion that I follow a lot more closely. That is very appealing to me. So I wish them nothing but the best, but I'm glad that their new Japan partnership seems to be dissolving. I got to say on ring of honor, and I hate to say it, but it's just true. Um, Like you said, with the history, you know, so many wrestlers that were in ring of honor went to wwe eventually so mm-hmm. they they did put on good shows they have put on good shows but when i dropped in about two years ago or a year ago whenever it was just to watch a couple of matches i was stunned at how sloppy it was like i i've yeah. never been that stunned before because with aew when it's sloppy it's like oh this is forgivable it's a bit silly but this is forgivable right but ring of honor it was like watching a terrible indie show where the guys of of like i don't know just recently finished wrestling school and it's like their Mm -hmm. second match in or something like it was it was embarrassing i was like wow like how are they putting this on tv like this is shameful and i hate to be so critical but it's like when you've got products like wwe AEW, impact new japan who have regular tv contracts and this is the tv that you're putting out it's like do better you got you got to do better like sure. i don't know just yeah i haven't checked them out in a while i heard the good things about their pure title tournament that they ran i think it was like last sometime last year i want to say but um yeah i haven't really checked them out i don't even know where to find them honestly but for me like ring of honor and mlw are kind of at that tier of wrestling that i just i just i don't have time to seek that out like my wrestling palette right now is more or less maxed out have, have you ever today. seen um mlw have you ever checked it out it's been a while but yes i i remember watching a few episodes um i've heard about the whole like lucha underground sort of connection that they've had recently um but yeah i remember seeing some brian pillman matches here's a call out of a guy that i think is great and i hope he gets a bigger platform in the near future hammerstone yeah hammerstone is a dude who gets it i love watching him work he's a guy who is super like takes it seriously uh like you totally believable in the ring uh has enough cares charisma and personality to kind of bring you into his matches i think he's going to be a big star yeah and this is one of the reasons why i would say it sometimes is worth dropping into some of these promotions like ring of honor mlw uh impact and so on um because every now and again you do find one of these wrestlers that's yeah they're a big like when i look at hammerstone i'm like that that guy could be world champion in a company he's yeah he's got something i think he already has been in, in mlw actually but in another right. company yeah you give him a big enough stage i mean i think yeah mj off for a long time was wrestling in in uh, mlw so was brian pillman jr um i think harry smith jr or sorry yeah harry's david what's his name david smith he's um oh. british bulldog's son yeah. Right, Harry sure, Smith. sure, sure. Yeah, Davy Boy Smith Jr. Davy yeah, something, Boy Smith, something Jr. along those yeah. lines. Yeah, little so, bulldog, we'll call him. Little bulldog, <laughs> little the littlest bulldog. bulldog. 
little but i mean he's taller than than his dad was but yeah i think harry right. smith is his name yeah harry smith so i think you're right he he was really visually impressive he'd obviously been in wwe before as well and um i'm happy to see that he's doing work in new japan now as well and he had previously and i feel like with certain promotions it's like if you're in them or you know it's, it, as long as you're getting tv time as a professional yeah. wrestler that's always something really positive from what i've noticed if you're in the indies the indies are way better than they were 10 years ago 20 years ago 30 years ago well, they go in cycles but it's yeah. these days it's, it's like you can have a career on the indies Absolutely. but um yeah if you do have tv time you're, you're just that level above i mean you're being seen aren't you so if you're mm-hmm. being seen you're going to get more bookings it's going to be better for your career and for you sure. know obviously if you get pay-per-view matches and stuff then hey you're making money so yeah absolutely yeah. but yeah some exciting talents in 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 those companies um th- thoughts on on nwa have you ever checked out nwa I remember watching Power when it first came out. Like that for me, when I was commuting in into and away from the office, that was like a really nice show that I could kind of watch on the bus on the way in, that sort of thing. I really loved it. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was different enough because so many of these shows, like you mentioned, like Ring of Honor, Ring of Honor in many cases kind of seems like a lesser than version of some of the other companies that exist out there. Like, you know, because they're not putting in them, like the wrestling style similar, but they just don't have the budget budget or not allocating the budget for some of those other things Mm. the nwa was so unique it gave it its own personality uh so like i really enjoyed watching it it just you know kind of fell off the face of the earth for a little while and i haven't brought myself to uh get back into it since then you made a really good point there which i think um i totally agree with the, the the issue of um presentation it's one of the main reasons i can't bring myself to watch impact wrestling because and, and other shows like ring of honor because yeah the way they present it it is literally just basically an indie show but televised and i feel like one of the mm-hmm. biggest reasons to watch AEW and wwe is just the way it's presented it's presented as a big deal yeah. you come out you have a big grand entrance you got fans screaming like it's it's a good visual perspective and and that's why we've missed fans so much as well as obviously having mm-hmm. them um there makes it that much more appealing but when you've got these shows like ring of honor with or without fans like what a thousand people cheering it just doesn't sound mm-hmm. very impressive and then the stage they come through is like a tiny little archway or whatever and it's yeah right right, right. and obviously look I'm not, I'm not trying to be hard on them as far as, you know, you work with what you have, you know, and, and what matters Mm -hmm. most is what's in the ring and storylines that will always be the most important thing. But the way you present it, I got to say, I think AEW, one of the biggest reasons they're doing so well is because it looks legit. It looks kind of, it looks kind of like how WWE looks sometimes, you know, not to the full extent, but I'll be honest, AEW, the way it's presented reminds, to me, it looks like 2000s WWE. Yeah, like, I could see that. You know what I mean? Like when they were doing all like in, in impressive kind of, you know, backlash, vengeance, you know, all those pay-per-views. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of has the same vibe. And I feel like the wrestling is is kind of the same. Like um, when I when when I see a good AEW pay-per-view, it just makes me think of those really sort of tight pay-per-views in the 2000s of WWE. Because WWE in the 2000s, it wasn't attitude era it wasn't you know early 2000s stuff but it was still good there was still some good stuff yeah. there and, and solid shows oh, absolutely 
Yeah. That was for me like a second renaissance of pro wrestling, you know, mm. just, you know, I love, I love, I can always go back to like the early 90s stuff that I grew up on, but, you know, the, the attitude era. And I think in ring, honestly, that later portion of like, you know, 2000, 2001, 2002, I think the in ring was probably a little bit better than it had been previously. Um, I don't know if that's be- it probably wasn't because of the the dimmering of the fan interest or anything like that, but you know they they definitely started focusing more on the in ring uh, component uh, around that time. One question I wanted to ask you, which I, I didn't ask earlier, but we we've, we've touched on a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say that you have to sell wrestling to someone who's never watched wrestling before. Okay, why should people watch wrestling, in your opinion? I think it's a completely unique art form that is totally unlike anything else that exists. And like the, I, I think I've actually even told my co-host this, I've sort of made this analogy in the, in the past on the show, but more let's, let's take specifically like an indie show, because I think WWE, you can sit in front of the TV and kind of be a little disinterested in like three hours, two hours is a big ask of anybody. But I think that if you're going to like an independent wrestling show or even just a WWE show live or something like that, the ability for the performers to like make you feel, and it's really up to them because if you look at other forms of art, whether whether it be like a musician or a stand-up comedian or any other live performances, like they're end goal for the most part is to like get a very specific thing out of you or like to do one specific thing whereas with wrestling they have the autonomy especially again on the indies like if i want to make you mad i can wrestle a match that will make you mad and then the only limitation is my own skill set if i want to make you laugh i can make you laugh like i can elicit any emotion from you that I want in the context of like simulated combat. And that in and of itself, I think is so unique compared to anything else that exists. And like, that's for me as someone who like enjoys the performance element of certain things, like I can see that and just, just be inspired by the amount of creativity that they can have in the ring and how much it's like up to the performers to do whatever makes the most sense you know, for what they're trying to, to get at. Couldn't agree more. Uh, I'm going to fire some like random questions at you, just like general okay. wrestling questions. So, and I think you I can hear t- the natives. I can hear the natives getting restless upstairs. So I'll make it, I'll make it quick. I'll do a rapid fire. Rapid fire. Okay. Uh, greatest wrestler of all time. Uh because I've always said Shawn Michaels, I'm going to go with Bret Hart, just but not from like total body of work wise. I'm going for like the absolute best at their peak. I'm going to say Bret Hart, but I think total body of work wise, it's Shawn just because his career lasted forever. And you can count to like uh, an innumerable number of matches that are just classic matches that hold up. Worst wrestler of all time. <laughs> Worst wrestler of all time. Wow. I mean, I think on a major scale, just based on my own experience, I'll have to say Great Cully. Okay. Most overrated wrestler of all time. Overrated. So many of these things, and for anyone who's stuck with us for all this time, who's not like a big wrestling fan, there's an element. <laughs> first of all, I thank you. But but secondly, <laughs> secondly, there's, there's there's overrated from the perspective of like in-ring performance and then versus just like how big of a star they're perceived as. I, as a human being, I hate the Ultimate Warrior, so I'll have to say <laughs> Ultimate Warrior. Uh, to a certain degree. Um, I'll just say Ultimate Warrior. That'll just be my answer. 
most underrated wrestler of all time? Of all time. Uh, beautiful Bobby Eaton. Hmm. Interesting choice. Yeah. I, I love, love I loved Beautiful Bobby as a kid. Uh, I don't know why, because like my favorite as a kid was Hulk Hogan. Mm. Uh, Beautiful Bobby is nothing like Hulk Hogan in any way, shape or form. But I always just really he just seemed like such a likable guy. And as I've kind of gone through over the years, like I can always rewatch a Beautiful Bobby match. And be like that guy was so good. Like if he came around 20 years later, like he would be getting that sort of fan push reaction of like, let's get Beautiful Bobby in the main event at WrestleMania. Like I'm convinced that would be the case. Who's the best wrestler in the world right now? Oh man, gosh, these are hard hitting questions, Christian. I wasn't expecting this this mm. level of in depth. You're like the Walter Cronkite of uh, of podcasts these days. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Best wrestler in the world right now. Who is the best wrestler in the world right now? It's tough, isn't it? Because you don't. What do you base it on? Are we just talking work rate? Are we talking promos or both? Okay, I'm going to give a, a, a non-answer. Well, I'll give you an answer, but I think character-wise, I'll kind of differentiate it by that. Character-wise, Roman Reigns is doing really great work right now. Like, he is on fire. Uh, and like I think everyone knew he was really, really good. I don't think that people realized he was this good. So Roman Reigns, I think from a character standpoint, and his in-ring work is, is very good as well. He would have to be up there. As far as in-ring, again, I, I kind of, I skew towards New Japan and a lot of kind of the in-ring stuff. Like Okada is probably, I mean, his run, like right now, if you were to watch an Okada match, eh. But like, I think he is the greatest champion of the modern era of the past, like 10, 15 years. If you think New Japan champion, you have to think Okada. Like that reign that he had, where he was having the matches against Omega and Shibata uh, and all and, and Suzuki and like that that was just so good. So I, I'm gonna say that bleeds over into 2021. Okada is still the best until proven otherwise. Okay, I'm gonna switch it up now and ask you a question that I ask all of my guests. It's probably my favorite question to ask my guests. Let me get your thinking cap. Okay. Okay. What's the biggest life lesson that you've learned so far? Um, oh gosh, I'm going to keep it podcast centric because that's what's on my brain right now. There's probably other life lessons I could think of, but I'll just, I'll do podcasts. I think just if, as long as you were passionate about what you were doing, whether it be in your job of work or you're doing something to kind of fulfill yourself creatively outside of that, that I think is the most important thing because like, especially for myself and we were talking a little bit off air about kind of like creative hurdles and things that kind of like make you like doubt yourself. And I know for a while here, I've been doing a lot of kind of interviews on different podcasts. And there were points where I was getting really down on myself, like, Oh, this isn't going as well. But, you know, I think just as long as you feel creatively fulfilled and as long as what you're doing is, is something that means a lot to you, that will come through and that will shine out to other people. I, I am a true believer that if you do something long enough and it's good enough, eventually like people will begin to notice that. It's just a matter of not quitting on it so early where you've you know shot yourself in the foot about getting noticed. So that was kind of a weird amalgam of different things, but I think do things that you're passionate about. And as long as you have a belief in that thing, um, that, that people will notice. You just have to stick with it. 
Thank you. Yeah, I needed to hear that as well. Actually, that's a really, <laughs> that's a really good, that's a good one. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> now I could talk to you all day about wrestling, but I've already taken two hours of your life. So <laughs> thank you. It's so very much. ominous when you say it that way, Christian. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it's all mine. Of your life. You'll never get it back. <laughs> As we draw things to a close for today, do you have any upcoming projects or maybe some final thoughts that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, I mean, the main project is is the Hardmark podcast, as you mentioned so generously at the very beginning. Uh, but yeah, it's a it's a biweekly podcast every other Thursday. We have, in fact, I think probably around the time that this makes air, we'll be putting out our 30th episode, which is oh. going to be our big deathmatch spectacular where we watch uh, Terry Funk versus Cactus Jack at the King of the Deathmatch Tournament. So be on the lookout for that. You can follow us on Instagram. Uh, I think Instagram is a really nice companion piece, especially for anyone who's never watched wrestling before. Well, I'll post a lot of clips of matches and kind of commentary from the episodes. Uh, I think it's a nice sort of, sort of companion piece to the program itself. So if you have the opportunity, I'd highly encourage that you check out my love letter to pro wrestling, the Hard Mark Podcast. Thank you so much for being an excellent guest. Uh, this has been an absolute pleasure for me. Always love talking about wrestling. You've been fantastic. Uh, you're always welcome back on the show whenever you want to come. And uh, yeah, just thank you. Absolutely. Thank you, Christian. Appreciate the the time. And I'm sure that you and I will have a lot more heated uh, AEW WWE discussions in the near future. Can't wait for it. Can't wait for it. And uh, to everyone listening to the Christian Reef podcast, Thank you as always. Uh, let me know your thoughts on this one in the comments below or on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, all the different places that we are existing in the podcast realm. Thanks for listening. Be safe, be well, and I'll see you in the next one.